So, Kathy, it's good to be here today. And our first podcast of the series Bounce Back that we recorded during lockdown in COVID-19. And today we're talking about how do I support my child or children process difficult situations? So we want to help parents and carers and teachers think through this as we now move into the next phase of lockdown. That's right. Thank you, Anita. And and I think it's, you know, we've all moved through different stages in terms of our well-being over the last sort of 60 days. And I think certainly from parents' perspectives, they are very concerned about how to talk to our children about their fears and worries. And I think, first of all, I'd like to say that it's always a good idea to allow your children to talk about things that they're worried about. And and also, it's important that we sort of choose a constructive time of day for those kinds of conversations. So I think it's a very good idea to have a sort of a constructive little 10-minute worry slot in the middle of a day. And that means that many parents, for example, don't have, you know, bedside chats that go on for 50 minutes where children are sort of surfacing lots of fears and worries. So my first point is that we are going through a very difficult situation. And children will have fears and worries and we have to allow those conversations to take place. Absolutely. And one of the very first things that came about for families when they went into lockdown is the the big advice was have a routine. And so within that routine, if there can be a daily time just to talk, just to say, well, how are we feeling today? Because actually that may differ from day to day, particularly as we now start to think about the comeback season or the, the new normal, as it's being called. So we need to think about different ways of actually making that an expressive time, a creative time, using different strategies. And I love the the four questions that Anna Hawkin has put in one of her articles. Anna suggests that we ask children, what do you think? Whatever's on their mind, whatever's happening that day, just to simply ask them, what do they think? We could follow this up with a second question by asking, well, what do we know? Because sometimes that anxiety and that fear comes from a place of we don't know very much we're not sure about the future but actually if we can anchor ourselves in what we do know it gives us a sense of security the third question is around well actually what do we not know let's just open that out what are the things that we'd like to know about but we just haven't got the answers and we may not have the answers but just having that awareness of this is what's on our hearts this is what's on our minds will help better communication and a better understanding between everyone. And finally, I think the fourth point is for parents and carers to share how they've handled situations in the past. So using opportunities where we've come through in the past, where we've seen light at the end of the tunnel, and using that as a testimony, as a strength to kind of say, we can do this again. We can do this again. Back then, we didn't know what we were doing, but we came through and we grew and we developed as people. And that can give reassurance and a sense of comfort as well to children, knowing that this isn't the only crisis that people have been through. There have been previous ones, and we've come through them. Absolutely. And what you're referring to, Anita, is families recognising they're already resilient, and they have already, as you say, been through many, many difficult days in, in the history of their family. And it's very important that we you know, there, there's a great, when you were talking there, I was thinking about the concept of mental toughness. Mm-hmm. And in order to be mentally tough, we, we work out what we can control and what we can't control. 
And those questions of Anna Hawkins, they, they sort of provide that framework for those discussions. And when we start not dwelling on the things that we can't control, but being focused, being hopeful and helping children understand that there are going to be ups and downs in the middle of difficulty and our emotions will be up and down and there's a rainbow of emotions to use a very meaningful metaphor at the moment and that's just normal it's to be you know it's important that that sort of kaleidoscope of emotion is seen as normal at the moment in the midst of that difficulty. Absolutely and one of the strategies I used to use in the classroom was to have a range of colour cards and I would say to children who particularly found it difficult to communicate their emotions or had speech and language difficulties, my opening question would be, what colour are you feeling today? And there's no right or wrong about any of this because it's their colour and it's their feeling. So very often a child would say to me, well, I'm feeling blue. That's great. What does that mean to you? And all of a sudden they had almost like a door or a gateway opening in their hearts and their minds to just unload what they were feeling through that colour. So I love the reference to this idea of the kaleidoscope of emotions and using colour to kind of bring that together. And we could say to our children, you know, what colour of the rainbow do you feel today? And as you say, children have the imagination to just, they don't question it. They, they just come up with a colour. So equally, I think emojis are a very um, easy, accessible way that children can pinpoint how they're feeling. Those emojis have been very well thought out by designers and they capture where children are very used to that kind of digital language. And I don't think parents should be afraid of using that kind of evaluative tool to sort of access how their children are feeling. No, I totally agree. And I think as much variety we can bring into that, it actually gives children a broader perspective on how they can express their emotions in different places and different contexts. I have seen with one family they have a regular slot in their day routine for talking, but they have a question box, like it's like a jar in their house. And any time any of them have a question that comes up or something that's on their heart, rather than carrying it around until the next time they can talk, they just either write it or draw it, put it in the box. And when they sit down together as a family, the box is opened out and they can just freely communicate. That is such a beautiful idea. And the other thing you're making me think about is that we are not sort of advocating big conversations with little children about how they're feeling. What we're doing is creating, giving parents lots of innovative ideas that can actually just open up that space where children feel very, very comfortable to talk. And one of the things you're making me think about is that we need to remind parents that children drawing, engaging in those sort of creative arts, crafts, all of those things can play can really help children process emotion as well. So it's not just about questions and answers, but it's also about giving them opportunities to express themselves through various means as well. And that could be music, art, drama, role play, or play at home. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, we've heard time and time again, this is an unprecedented time, something we've never seen before. And so the need to enhance our communication with each other, I think is enormous because we could take it all for granted and just say well we know what it's like but we don't actually and it changes on a day-to-day -day basis. The other thing that you think about Anita is the quality of family communication in general and sometimes if people are living in a home you know with their partner the quality of that conversation 
can, or that level of communication can be sort of absolute put to the back seat and not given a lot of thought. And I think it would be a missed opportunity during this time for us, if we're, if we're co-parenting in that way, to just say to each other, how's it going? You know, what did I do to make your life in lockdown better and you to make, mm. my, you know, are we expressing ourselves well? Are we communicating well? Are we organizing ourselves well? Are there flashpoints? Can we do something about them? I think it is a it would be a missed opportunity if we didn't sort of all audit how we are communicating as a family unit a bit more widely. Mm. And that kind of resonates with the opportunity to celebrate. So again, some friends of mine, they have been sitting with their families and actually celebrating what they've appreciated about each other during this difficult time. So acknowledging that it's really difficult, but saying, say, to their youngest son, really appreciate the way that you have shared with your sister during this time, although it's difficult. So making that intentional effort to also celebrate, not just to, as you say, discuss all the challenges and the things that we're feeling, but build and bond relationships. You know, you mentioned earlier about resilience and and a a strong facet of resilience is self-efficacy the hope that tomorrow will be better. And we can only do that if we really know where we are today. And so having that kind of authentic, reflective conversation about what we feel, but also celebrating what we've achieved, however big or small, takes us to a place to say, how can we make tomorrow better? And in terms of helping children process difficult situations, it is extremely important that children make sense of whatever has happened to them in their lives. If they are unable to do that, it can cause a lot of difficulty later on. So I think it's very important that we just stop. You know, it's you know, children are coming up to the holidays and families need to sort of do a reckoning. You know, how amazingly well have we done? What are we mm. of? What are the habits that we have cultivated in family life during lockdown that we wish to continue? And so it's a different sort of frame of mind. And also, as you mentioned, looking forward, being hopeful. And I think that word is something that should be at the forefront of our minds as we move into the next few months. Children need hope. They need positivity and they need things to look forward to, albeit in the distance. Absolutely. And since you've mentioned the holidays, I think it's an opportune moment also for families to come together and possibly look outside of themselves. Who in their community is feeling isolated? Who in their community is feeling and doesn't have someone to connect? So we've had young families here bake with their children and then go and drop those cookies on the door of an elderly person within the community. Such a gift for that elderly person, but also for the two young children who baked and were part of that process. It's something they will never forget. And what you're referring to is the value of teaching our children our values and the importance of altruism and thinking of others, which of course in itself is very self-esteem boosting for children because in a situation where they may feel powerless in being kind and compassionate towards others, it can actually make them feel a lot better about their own situation. Absolutely. So if we think about what we've shared today, Cathy, as you said, we're not here to tell parents and carers what to do, but hopefully what we share today will give them a few ideas or spark other ideas that they can use. 
maybe the rainbow will remind them to keep thinking around the emotions that we talked about, the questions we've talked about, the creative solutions, the emojis and the drawing and the creating things. Have I missed anything out that we've talked about? The only thing I wanted to, I just remembered that I'd love to say to parents is that if you have slightly older children, there is a great value in enabling them to have like a diary, to create a journal. All of those outlets are very, very important places where they can process very private or private feelings or difficult feelings that they may not wish to articulate to the wider family. And I think by giving children those journals, those secret diaries, those little notebooks where they can doodle and make sense of what's happening to them will stand them in good stead for in terms of their future resilience. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember as a child journaling every day. And at the end of 10 years, I went back and read through all my journals. And it was, it was really heartening to see how much I'd grown over time, which you don't always see in the day to day. So yeah, I would wholeheartedly recommend journaling. It's been great chatting with you and we will be back for our next episode. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about what that topic is, Kathy? That's right. So episode two will be, it's actually called, it's okay to feel sad and happy at the same time. So we'll be looking a little bit more closely at that range of emotions and ups and downs that we've certainly all been on over the past uh, two months. Thank you very much, Kathy. 